also milk and cows and how they're killing even I who am who am not allergic to <laughs> that's a good sentence yeah so um recently I lost lactose tolerance which is a thing apparently um, God, what a bummer <laughs> Um, but in that process, I'm sort of forced to read labels on everything, and I'm learning more than I ever wanted to know about how many things use milk and milk products in them that don't actually need to, and how the most common substitute, soy, is also bad. Mm, good stuff. Yeah. Um, and this was triggered because, like, a half hour ago, like we wanted to order food and just ordering food has become an ordeal because, you know, there's a combination of, you know, trade secrets. So like you can't ask what's in the sauce mm. and, you know, it might be milk. Like, did you know that for some reason, some marinara sauces have milk in them? Like... What? Yeah, because Murica, that's why. That's not acceptable. Like, I... It's uh, not marinara what? at that point anymore. I agree with you. Yeah, but. no. <laughs> um, and, you know, it's that to, you know, there's multiple ways to bread something to deep fry it. Um, and traditionally, it's, you know, you dip it in a combination of egg and milk and then uh, flour and then whatever you're breading it with. Um, but if it's something that's supposed to have a long shelf life, you know, the milk and eggs are omitted for obvious reasons, mm. um, unless it's something that needs to have a long shelf life frozen, but is then deep fried on location, in which case the milk and eggs might be back in. What an exciting uh, thing not to be able to digest. No, it's awful because it's all these places it shouldn't be. Yeah, like I thought it was pretty bad. One of my um, in-laws, cousin, wait, cousin-in-laws? My in-laws, sons, I guess. <laughs> my husband's cousin is allergic to soy and soy is in absolutely everything like they had to like switch peanut butter brands and like it, it seemed really pretty onerous usually the soy that's in everything is a soy lecithin which is an emulsifier it makes things stick together that wouldn't normally yeah and so um it's basically added to peanut butter so it doesn't separate but like peanut butter separating is when you tell that maybe you should buy new peanut butter or just ignore it and mix it back up because it's just peanut butter. You know, it's, it'll be fine, I promise. Peanut butter is really creepy, actually. I'm very creeped out whenever I think about it, that it has no expiration date and it does not need to be refrigerated. Well, How does peanut butter do that? Well, it's one of those things like honey where it's just like bacteria just haven't gotten around to figuring it out on an evolutionary scale. Should we be eating something like that? <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> If it's not digestible by bacteria, is it really digestible by us? I don't know. But I mean... I really like peanut butter, though. I mean, so it starts as peanuts, care. and we can eat those. Yeah, a few of us die horribly, but yeah. most of us don't. I mean, if you're... There are, you know, just three basic allergies that if you have all three, you're completely unable to eat in America. That is, you know, generic nut, soy, and uh, milk. Because they are all the substitutes for each other. 
Although gluten uh, allergies and sensitivities and intolerances are pretty bad too, because there is there is gluten. It, like my shampoo tells me that it's gluten free, and I'm like, does but that why? mean that others? Yes. <laughs> are are other shampoos full of gluten? And if so, why? Yep. <laughs> everything is just <laughs> made out of byproducts of everything else. You know, nothing is made out of what it's made out of. Yeah. God only knows what my cat food is made out of. Like, I, I've i been switching brands constantly to try to find something. I finally found something so foul-smelling that Dale, like, goes crazy for it. And it's uh, it's Purina um, beyond their, you know, hoity-toity line of, of grain-free cat foods. But, like... Which is another thing. I'm cats, not... cats are obligate carnivores, and yet you have to go out of your way to find food that isn't stretched out with grain and carrots. I don't know that it's not stretched out with carrots. Honestly, it probably is. <laughs> Instead of grain. I mean, and, but, you know, they do science and stuff and they have every interest in not killing your pet. So it's probably fine. Yeah, it's but it's also no balanced than... with profit motive. You know. Yeah, but I'm sure as hell, like I have some friends who cook. Well, I don't They have new huskies now, but they had two huskies previously and they would like cook dog food for them, like cook up a big slow cooker full of dog food every weekend and i'm like i don't even cook people food like <laughs> there's there's just no way like but cooking is really the only way to know what one is consuming yeah that's true because everything you get at a restaurant there's some secret sauce in it even if like and a lot of it's butter yeah but like, even if you're just getting a big slice of animal, it's dripping in something besides its own juices. Butter. Yeah, butter is pretty good. And uh, <laughs> at, at the place, at the hamburger joint that I used to work at when I worked at Redacted, we would sprinkle, <laughs> we would sprinkle beef flavoring on the hamburgers. So I don't know what was in that. I don't, I don't, I would be shocked if it were actually just dried up beef juice. Speaking of dried up beef juice, uh, <laughs> um, following uh, having a large quantity of leftovers from some holiday, it might have been Thanksgiving. Um, but as this happens, um, because gravy that's made from the actual animal that you've made yourself that you know is safe to consume for individuals with dietary restrictions, um, because it's predominantly fat, it congeals, so you have less and less of it every time you reheat it and recool it. Um, and so we ran out of gravy long before we ran out of the animal that it went with. Let's just say it was turkey. Um, so we go to the store, you know, to just, you know, screw it. We're at the end of this. It's only going on sandwiches at this point anyway. Let's just get a gravy packet. First ingredient, pure lactose. That's really a, weird. Like a gravy packet. Like this is supposed That's, to be powdered animal fat. It's not a freaking bechamel. Like what is it? Uh, I guess, I mean, although even that's butter and flour, not not lactose. I mean, there's some lactose and butter, but. Well, uh, so that's that's an interesting uh, misconception. So uh, oh, there is aged dairy products such as butter and cheddars and other cheeses that 
involve time to make them. Like it's not just a process they have to sit. Um, lactose breaks down fairly easily and there's usually only trace amounts in it. So only people with the most severe sensitivity are barred from them. Um, however, in America, we don't properly label American cheese, cheese food, and cheddar all the time. And it's really hard to tell the difference between a proper mild cheddar and American cheese, which is unaged, which is chock full of lactose. Mm. So basically, I can't order cheese on anything because if it's yellow, I, <laughs> I don't know what it'll be. And cheese food, despite the fact that it's not cheese, is still a milk product. It's just not it's, cheese. You just have to start carrying and your have cheese plastic. with you everywhere. You know, I've thought about it. <laughs> <laughs> get a man purse just to carry your cheese. <laughs> man purse for cheese, that's the title. <laughs> um, it's, it's a good use case. <laughs> it is. Um, and so, like everything ridiculous in America, there's, of course, a conspiracy behind it. Um, and that is the fact that we just have created an oversupply of dairy and to some extent an oversupply of beef, um, but mostly dairy and cows in America, in addition to being giant sources of global warming because they fart out methane constantly, <laughs> um, yeah. And they also take a lot of fossil fuels and an amazing amount of water. Right, just to exist. We have, um, in the domestication of what we call a cow, have bred out every survival trait of a bull. You know, like a bison that they came from. Right. Um, to the point where we get this animal that is incredibly docile, so, you know, it doesn't startle easily and it doesn't, you know, attack farmers. <laughs> Right, that much. Well, I mean, to the degree, you know, a freaking buffalo will. Right. It's, yeah. They're, you, it's possible to handle them. Right. You um, may get kicked in the teeth, but you'll walk away and that'll be the only thing it does, you know, kind of attack right. versus, you know, a... Uh, I will kill you and I, every <laughs> subsequent generation. Right. Um, so we've bred them into this animal that has gotten to the point where like, um, like cow tipping... Like, have, if you've heard the term cow tipping or it's, you know, a quote unquote sport, it's a type of vandalism where you sneak on a farm at night and you tip over a cow. And why it's even a thing is because the cow get, can't get back up because they've been so inbred to only be used for milk and beef that they're just, you know, unproductive, like even at the basics of being an animal. Um, now that's of course implying that the cow survives the fall. Cows are so heavy and they have such crappy legs that usually the act of tipping them if they are standing up at the time um, kills them because between one and four stomachs will explode. Oh no. Yeah. I did not know that. Yeah. I mean, I knew they had that whole weird stomach thing going on, but... Yeah, so cow tipping is, you know... Dangerous hygiene. Jesus cow. Christ. Yeah, it's it's more than the fact that they can't get up. It could be lethal. And even if they I mean, do get up, it's not mean. good for the cow. Well, yeah, it is always mean to tip Best over Best case an scenario, it's mean. Why do you want to be mean to cows? Cows didn't ask to be cows. <laughs> 
They didn't, definitely didn't ask to be that inbred. Um, no, Jesus Christ. And like, yeah, the whole like how they're. I, it's it's really appalling the things that we do to animals in the name of productivity or fashion. In the, like, if you look at the German Shepherd dog, it's appalling. But that's another topic for another day, possibly. I have a lot of thoughts about dogs, even though I don't have any. Um, it's pretty screwed up what we've done to cows and chickens, too. Yeah, they're basically just bred to be, you know, delicious. And and they're both constantly loaded up with antibiotics right. just so that they don't die in the course of being raised for meat, which doesn't take very long because of all <laughs> of the hormones we also feed them. Right. And a combination and yet, to both of those, um, well, not only does it end up in the end product, um, but feeding antibiotics across the board to healthy animals leads to superbugs, which is probably what's going to extinct mankind. Um, we'll see. Our current president has other ideas. That's true. Nuclear winter back on the table. <laughs> Yay. Um, so the idea of a superbug is it's sort of the shorthand for um, when you use something to kill bacteria, um, everything, you know, from hand sanitizer to broad spectrum antibiotics is rated with a number of nines, just like uptime for servers. Um, and that surviving population, you know, however many nines away from the decimal point that is, um, breeds with itself. Right. And then you get a subsequent generation that is more immune than the last. And you start eroding away those nines until you get something that is like... You know, you've bred an extremophile that is immune to being immersed in alcohol and all antibiotics we've developed to date. And, you know, it's pretty if you, horrifying, really. If you catch it, you're just screwed because your immune system certainly doesn't know how to deal with it. Your immune system is coddled <laughs> by antibiotics its whole life. That's true. Um, so cows are sick because we've already start, you know, these superbugs already a thing. Cows are just sick. Well, we feed them garbage. That too. Cows are supposed to eat grass. And what do we feed them? We feed them corn. Corn is horrible for them. But we have a lot of corn. And what the hell are we going to do with it? Well, we'll feed it to some cows and put it in every other product, but also cows. So they get all kinds of... Um, it actually causes them to breed more bacteria in their many stomachs because it's just it's not the right kind of food for them. Yeah, corn is actually a grass that's been um, bioengineered over the centuries to be corn. We'll have to do another episode on corn because it's fascinatingly horrifying. <laughs> <laughs> um, so all these sick cows, um, what they produce um, isn't milk. What comes out of the udder is uh, skim milk, milk fat or cream, and then a layer of pus because their udders are full of infections. And it's like a lot of pus. Like if you saw this and you're not used to it, you will probably vomit on sight. <laughs> and the, the procedure before it gets to the grocery store is to skim off as much of that as you can by hand. Then a machine does a little bit more. And then it goes through all the machines involved in pasteurization, which is a process of heating and centrifuging. And that's why milk you get at the store doesn't separate. And it's also why, um, why raw milk is dangerous, even though, like, your grandma who grew up on a farm only knew of raw milk 
because, you know, they just had a cow, they milked it, and they mixed it and drank it. But our cows are just so sick that they don't actually produce safe milk. It has to go through the fossil energy intensive process of pasteurization, which is not bad. It's just that it's absolutely required at this point, even if you're, you know, on the farm. Theoretically, pasteurization is necessary because you're going to ship the milk and it needs to have a shelf life. Well, I mean, and it's not like it was unheard of previously for milk to cause you to become ill. I mean, people used to, you could get tuberculosis from from uh, cows via their milk, which is not great. Right. And of course, you know, humans are the only species that lives off the milk of another animal. Lactose tolerance itself is an evolutionary anomaly. Um, and the reason I probably lost it is because humans haven't evolved to have it. Rather, humans are raised to retain it because they go from breast milk to cow milk, and then you presumably, through all of the places it's in, all of your food, continue consuming cow milk, and you just never lose your infant lactose tolerance. Yay, I'm a baby. <laughs> yeah. I'm a cheese-eating baby. It's not entirely understood, <laughs> uh, which is another frustration, because it's like, mm. the only thing a doctor can tell you is, yep, and it's like, the test is, well, go eat this and see if it gives you an upset stomach. It's like, well, no. Give me some damn science with numbers. Yeah. What we've turned milk into is more awful than it was. It was probably fine before. Um, so the problem with all the antibiotics and hormones in milk is the same problem that's with uh, soybean and everything, which is um, they both serve as a delivery for either literal estrogen or xenoestrogens, which are chemicals that mimic the effects of estrogen on parts of your body, but not others. So we see this in developing children. Um, it unsynchronizes growth and puberty, and it can go in any direction on that. The point is it just messes things up. So, you know, you can have breasts before menstruation, menstruation before you grow up in the, you know, physical, literal height sense. <laughs> Lucky for me, I switched to Pepsi as soon as I stopped drinking out of <laughs> bottles. And, uh, and in uh, men, it also causes uh, moobs. And yeah, you see those a lot. And in both genders, it causes fat retention just everywhere, but, you know, particularly in the stomach region, because you're pumping your body full of estrogen. And when does the body pump itself full of estrogen? When it's pregnant. And when a body is pregnant, it is. Its goal is to consume as many calories as possible and retain them because its only goal at that point is, you know, producing a healthy fetus. But that's in everything now. So we're basically all pregnant all the time. Yay. So everyone is just in a constant state of just being in ridiculously bad health because we all have some sort of hormonal imbalance. And then... Because 
American medicine is what it is. You either don't see a doctor for this or can't convince one that this is going on, or you get treated with more hormones instead of a dietary change. Well, it's really, uh, I mean, for a doctor to prescribe the kind of diet you would need to follow would be prohibitively expensive for a large proportion of Americans. Um, it would be prohibitively inconvenient for even more. Yeah. Perhaps the worst part of all of this is that it turns out in the context of America, at least, that those awful paleo diet people have a point. Sort of, but they're still douchebags. Yes, they are complete douchebags. <laughs> Definitely worse than vegans. Um, yeah, I feel like vegans have a better point, except insofar as, well, they eat a fair amount of soy products, so. Right, and they also mm -hmm. eat a lot of things that are processed to holy hell, like their cheese substitutes. I don't know <laughs> what those start as, but I, whatever. <laughs> yeah. It tastes fine, whatever it is. It's just... Really, I, <laughs> I'll take your word for it. Um, I'm going to I'm going to hang on to real cheese as long as I can. I'm going to die of something someday. So, you know, yeah, I'm happy to die of cheese. 